Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Journal of Clinical Pathways podcast. My name is Zach Brissett, and I am the associate editor of the journal, joined by my colleague, Amanda Delsignor, the managing editor of the journal. For another ASH-themed episode, we have as our guest Mohamed Sorer, MD, MSc, of the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center in the University of Washington. Dr. Sorer was the lead author on a study presented at ASH titled Survival Differences Among Patients with AML Treated with Allergenic HCT Versus Non-HCT Therapies, a large, real-time, multicenter, prospective longitudinal observational study. Dr. Sorer has agreed to speak at length about this study and how older patients with AML benefit from HCT. So thank you for joining us. To begin, research indicates that allogeneic HCT improves survival rates in older patients with AML. Why do you believe most older patients do not receive HCT? That could be due to multiple reasons. One of them, we know that AML tends to be more aggressive in older patients, so there are higher likelihood for them not to achieve complete remission on initial therapy because their leukemia is more aggressive than in younger patients. And if they don't achieve remission, then they become less likelihood to reach transplant either because they pass away early or or because they never achieve remission and transplant becomes not advisable. But I think uh, a huge other part into why this happened is because uh, there is this kind of bias, say it's a physician bias, that once a patient is labeled as older patient, especially above 70, there could be the bias not to offer them the intensive type of therapy that, uh, that we think give them a better chance to achieve remission on the assumption that they will not tolerate it. And because of that, because they receive uh, less intensive type of therapy, it takes them more time to achieve remission or never achieve it. So again, increase their likelihood of never achieve a transplant. It could be multifactorial part of it because leukemia is more aggressive, but part of it could be because of their older age, there could be bias into offering them the type of therapy that can promise more cure. Can you briefly explain the design of your study? What did you hope to accomplish and what were the patient inclusion criteria? We understand that that kind of bias could affect a lot of older patients. So we wanted to examine some important factors that haven't been addressed before, uh, how they shape the eligibility for transplant. So we design a prospective multi-center observational longitudinal study to take AML patient from the time of diagnosis and follow them for two years thereafter, where we um, collect a lot of information from medical records about their baseline health but also ask them multiple questions, surveys that cover quality of life, that covers other uh, parameters of health, especially geriatric health, do the walk test, the cognition assessment, multiple geriatric syndrome assessment, look at function, look at frailty. All these factors have never been addressed in AML and understanding uh, the decision-making about treatment. We wanted to capture as much as possible the patient-related factors, how patient health can affect the decision to receive what type of therapy to reach the transplant or not. And we wanted from the study to come up with a group of patients where we can say, well, maybe things can be done a little bit different. Maybe those patients are a higher risk, so they, they need a better type of therapy. Or maybe we can say, <clears throat> you know, these patients need a clinical trial to address 
in a randomized fashion which therapy is better. So that's what we were looking for. The inclusion criteria was mainly adult patients above 20 up to the age of 80 and showing up at one of the 13 different institutions that contributed to that study, showing up with a diagnosis of AML and requiring therapy at any of these institutions. Do you want to touch on some of your larger overall findings? Were there any particular findings that were most surprising or unexpected to you and your colleagues? Well, the surprising finding or unexpected one, we thought when we do this study and follow patients and try to compare the survival rates between patients who receive a transplant or don't receive a transplant, the, the way we design is we, we were going to compare in unadjusted comparison and also adjust for some of the, the baseline variables. And my assumption was we will find a specific group where things are not clear whether transplant is of benefit or not, and that group then can be taken forward to uh, maybe a randomized trial. But actually what we found is uh, in the unadjusted comparisons, transplant was better uh, in all patients, was better in older patients, 65 or above, was better in patients with intermediate risk cytogenetics and unfavorable cytogenetics. But once we, ad we adjust for the baseline factors such as the geriatric health, quality of life, um, other, other initial or uh, baseline factors, that benefit completely disappeared. And that was true even for people with unfavorable cytogenetics, even for older patients. So the unexpected finding here was we didn't find the benefit in, un, in the adjusted models in any of the groups. We were thinking we will not find in maybe one or two of the groups, but we, don't, we didn't find it in any of the groups, and that came as surprising. How can the results of your trial benefit the AML community? Which audience specifically do you hope to target in your presentation, and what do you hope they take from your presentation? Yeah, I think that's an important question. The, the conclusion is there are two different perspectives here. One of them is clinical perspective. I'm not advising any change in the current practice based on these results. People should continue to do what they are doing uh, currently. These results are to be perspective demands or weren't uh, follow-up randomized trials. And that's what we're trying to, uh, to bring up now uh, to the attention of many people, the, the ones who are the ones who are targeted by this include the AML physicians, the transplant physicians, the AML collaborative groups, the transplant collaborative groups, the funding organization at the uh, National Institute of Health, whether the NCI or the NHLBI, because for all of them, uh, we want to say that there's there's seen that there is a major demand to ask in a well-designed, randomized studies whether transplant is better or not uh, compared to other types of therapies in the older patient population based on these results because in an, in an observational fashion, it seemed that after adjusting for differences, there is no difference between transplant and no transplant. And, and there hasn't been really well-designed, large, uh, multi-center, national randomized trials to ask this question. We think that this is important to be done, and it's important to be done in all of the groups, whether intermediate risk cytogenetics, unfavorable cytogenetics, um, whether fit or unfit patients of AML. So in reality, we need more than one study to ask in each of these groups. And um, 
I think these studies will lead us then to how we can change practice. When we should say transplant is better, when we should say no, transplant actually brings more complication and more uh, problems, we shouldn't probably offer transplant in, in that group. In summary, this is to lead to follow-up randomized trials. That's what we're trying to achieve from that, from that, from our current study. My last question for you, Dr. Sorer, is are there any other important points or parting messages from your study that you would like to make? Again, I want to stress on the point that I don't want to change in the clinical practice. Uh, I think one of the points is if, if centers are offering transplant to older patients, they should probably continue to do so. If there are some centers in maybe other countries where transplant is not offered to older patients, I don't think it's the time now to try to gain that experience given the doubts about the benefit and you need to accumulate that experience first. I think what we're trying to say is keep the status quo, whether you are offering transplant to older patients, keep doing that. You're not offering a transplant to older patient currently because of limitation in the experience, then you shouldn't probably start now. And then raise the awareness among all people who are interested in the AML outcomes, whether funding organization, policymakers, investigators, collaborative groups, that the time has come that we should ask the question in a randomized fashion in older patient population. It has been done a lot in the younger patients, younger AML patients, but not in the older AML patients. And the time has come to ask that question given the advancement in the non-transplant targeted therapy for AML, uh, in advancement in the supportive care, uh, given that transplant has been you know, offered with a major selection criteria. So we don't know, are the patients doing better because they are the better patients or because transplant is better? I want to also say that these randomized trials that we are proposing as a follow-up of the study, if anything, should actually uh, enroll more patients to transplant because it can open the door for people that are currently being excluded because people think, well, you look too old, you will not tolerate it, or your disease is too aggressive, you will not tolerate it. The randomized trials will open the door for these patients to ask the question once for all, well, can we do the transplant or not? Maybe we are excluding patients that we shouldn't exclude, and maybe we are including patients that we shouldn't include. Okay. I think you raised some interesting questions for consideration. Good luck with your research moving forward, and thank you for joining us today, Dr. Sorer.